Pushkin. Girl, if I hadn't gone through all the stuff that I've been through, I would not be funny at all. Like, if you think about it, like everything that I am capable of, that I'm able to access, it comes from all of the tragedy. That's Tiffany Haddish. She's a badass comedian who's won an Emmy for her performance hosting Saturday Night Live. Her Netflix special won her a Grammy for Best Comedy Album. And she's also been in the hit blockbuster movies Bad Trip and Girls Trip. Now, this movie, it made history. It made $100 million plus, okay? And I'm trying to figure out where is my cut of that money because I haven't seen it at all yet. (laughs) And all my friends are telling me, Tiffany, you a star now. You big time. You balling out of control. And I'm looking at my bank account like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. I love Tiffany's irreverence. She is really, really funny. But the reason I wanted to talk to Tiffany is not because she's funny. It's because of how she uses funny, how she's turned her comedy into a superpower to navigate the profound changes she's confronted in her life. Comedy isn't just something Tiffany does on stage. It's how she survives. I'm Maya Shunker. I study how and why we change, and my work as a cognitive scientist has taken me all over, including the Obama White House. All season long, I'll have intimate conversations with folks who've navigated remarkable change in their lives. And hopefully, it'll get us to think differently about change in our own lives. This is a slight change of plans. wanted to introduce myself. Um, oh, I Googled you and did the research. On <laughs> okay. I'm a cognitive scientist. No, uh, I, I read that you was the, the Obama psychic. I came here to get a reading. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm playing. Your, your future is looking bright. Okay. <laughs> um, look, Tiffany, the reason I'm so excited to interview you is because you have one of the most radiant personalities. And I think that it's easy for people to forget just how challenging your childhood was. Um, So you don't mind, I'm just going to jump right in uh, to your mom. My mom worked the graveyard shift at the post office. She gets home from work at like six, five in the morning or whatever. I was probably like six. I used to make these mud pies. I used to take all these spices and seasonings that I could get to in the cabinet. And I would mix everything together and make it like a patty. But I wake her up and I'd be like, these are for you, mommy. (laughs) And she would go, oh, thank you. And I'd be like, because you work so hard. And you're the best working mommy ever. And she'd go, oh, thank you very much. Now let working mommy sleep. And then I'd go, okay. And I'd let her sleep. And then me and my sister would be playing. And I would be trying to clean up the kitchen. And she'd come in and she'd see me trying to clean up. And then she would pick me up. She'd give me the best. She used to have the best the best hugs. Sometimes I've dreamed about those hugs. Wow. Like those hugs that's like you just feel like you're in that person's body, like you're in the safest place, like just so warm. You feel like the back of you can't even be seen. All their meat has just sucked you in. You can 
take a deep breath and just let all your pain out in their chest? That version of Tiffany's childhood changes in an instant. Your mom got into a terrible car accident when you were eight. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing how that changed your relationship with her? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so that changed the entire dynamic. It flipped it in a way. Okay, so my mom had the accident. She was in the hospital for like three months, right? And and during that three-month process, we were with my grandmother and my aunties. And when my mom came out of the hospital, um, and mind you, she had to learn how to talk, walk, eat, everything all over again. And I remember the day we went to go get her, the doctor said, you're going to have to be your mom's biggest helper. You're going to have to grow up now. You're going to have to be right there for her all the time. And I remember telling him, no problem. I love her. She's I Whatever she needs, I'm going to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm doing these things. Everything. I mean, she taught me how to tie my shoe. Now I'm teaching her how to tie her shoe. She taught me how to make hot dogs. Now I'm teaching her how to make hot dogs. Everything that she taught me, like, I'm teaching her. And then it was so many things that, um, because it was hard for her to communicate. Like, my mom was, like, an excellent communicator. She had this crazy vernacular. And now she barely has any words. And she couldn't express herself. So she started to become violent. So it became this relationship of the person that I love the most on this planet. The first person I ever loved, like she was my God, is now my tormentor. And she was so mean. She used to say the meanest shit in the world, like crush your spirit type stuff. And it made me start to resent her and hate her, right? Not till I got older did I realize like she had she had brain damage. And I mean, the doctor explained that to me, but that does not register as a child. When I just think about like I, I could feel how I felt then just like constant fear, trying to figure out how not to get my neck broke or another tooth knocked out my head or, you know, just constantly trying to figure out how do I make this person happy enough to not hurt me. Is that when you realize, like, hey, wait a second, I think my humor has power. Like, I can use it to get out of dangerous situations or help get me what I want. Yeah, humor is definitely a power, and I definitely realized that as a kid. It got me hit less or make her forget, delay her thought of what she's going to do. Um, and then I was able to, I was using that in school cause I was getting bullied in school cause I didn't have the best clothes. My hair wasn't done the best. Like I was, uh, cause I was raising, I was raising me and my brothers and sisters working to try to make sure my sisters and brothers eat and that they have clothes and that they're clean and that, you know, like in getting those food stamps in the mail and helping my mom get the groceries and all this stuff. Like And it's so crazy because I couldn't even barely read, right? Mm -hmm. I'm doing all this grown mom stuff. Tiffany's mom doesn't improve. And eventually she becomes so unwell, Tiffany and her siblings are forced to enter the foster care system. She's 13. She moves from foster home to foster home, lugging her stuff around with her in a garbage bag. Throughout all of this, her one constant is humor. I would try to make like my foster parents and the like group home leaders and stuff, try to make them laugh so they could keep me around. So they want me around. And 
you know, for a while I was feeling like, dang, am I not good enough? Nobody wants me. They don't love me. They don't like me. Like, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to make them laugh. I don't understand. They're laughing at all my jokes, but I don't understand what's wrong. And later on, I learned that that's not always up to them. And so a lot of times up to the court system, you know, the age limits and blah, blah, blah. So many Mm -hmm. things that have nothing to do with you. Yeah. Nothing to do with you, but doesn't mean that it did not affect me mentally. Absolutely. But my comedy, it also catapulted me and, and it got me help in school. Like I, like I said, I couldn't read that good, but I had a really great memory. So I would get like, I would make somebody laugh. A guy laughed that had a cool deep voice. And I'd be like, can you read this to me? And I memorize everything he said. And I'd be able to regurgitate that verbatim in class. By the time Tiffany gets to high school, she's getting into trouble. A lot. A lot. (laughs) It gets to the point where Tiffany's social worker is so tired of showing up to school. She gives Tiffany an ultimatum. She was like, okay, Tiffany, you got two choices this summer. You can go to the Laugh Factory Comedy Camp or you can go to psychiatric therapy because something is wrong with you. You're not normal. And um, I was like, which one got drugs? And she said, you're definitely going to be on drugs if you go to therapy. And I'm like... I'll be damned. I don't want that. I don't want those drugs. So I'll go to the comedy camp. I'm trying to imagine what it was like on that first day of comedy camp. They sent the paper, right, that says you've been accepted to comedy camp and there'll be a lunch provided. Please be prepared to talk for three minutes and we will have there will be comedians there to help you grow in public speaking and comedy. Right. Mm -hmm. So. On the way there, I'm thinking like, I'm going to have lunch today on a Saturday. Normally, you don't, we don't eat lunch on Saturdays. You get Aww. breakfast, you kind of play all day, do whatever all day, and then you get dinner. So I'm excited. I'm going to get three meals today. All right. It's Saturday. Boom. I'm, I'm going to get lunch. And then I'm like, I'm thinking of all the like little monologues that I know in my head I can do. And I'll just like make a fart noise or do a funny pose or something to make it great. <laughs> Comedy Camp is a summer program hosted by well-known comedians like Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, and Charles Fleischer. And this is where Tiffany finally gets to showcase her comedic powers to the world. I get there and Charles Fleischer is there. I don't really, I know the name, but I don't recognize him. And he gets on stage and he introduces, he says, welcome to the Laugh Factory Comedy Camp, everybody. My name is Charles Fleischer. You may recognize my voice from movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. My philosophy is this. If you don't have a good sense of humor, you're better off dead. I start screaming at the top of my lungs like, "Ah!" and everybody's looking at me like, what? And I was like, I love Roger Rabbit. That's why I'm funny because of Roger Rabbit. Oh my God. I love Roger Rabbit. And he goes, what do you love about Roger Rabbit? And I tell him about the scene in a movie when the detective says to the rabbit, why are these people doing these nice things for you? And the rabbit says, because I make them laugh, Eddie. If you make people laugh, they'll do anything for you. And I said, that's what I've been doing all these years. You know, that's how I've been able to get people to help me read. That's how I get people to let me cheat on their homework. You know, that's how I get like extra coffee cake and (laughs) breakfast. And when I went to that comedy camp, it changed everything because it was the first time I felt. And they told me I'm smart. I'm like, me, I'm smart. Like, oh, you're talented. Me, me, I'm talented. That was a feeling I never felt before. I felt safe. This camp proves to be a real opportunity for Tiffany. 
and she gets to be on TV for the first time in her life. Channel 2 News in LA wants to do a story on her. Tiffany is thrilled, but she's a minor, so she needs a parent or guardian to sign a media release form. And because she's in the foster care system, the government has to play this role. So she goes to the LA family court to get in front of a judge. And in typical Tiffany fashion, she is on a mission. So the first day, I go to that courtroom, and I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there. Nobody's really paying me any attention. I'm sitting there, sitting there, and I'm listening to all these other cases, these kids' things. Nobody's paying me any freaking attention at all. And then the day, the court day's over. Before I left the courtroom, I saw that there was a sign that said, no gum, no food, no drinks, no magazines, no this, all these no's. I was like, well, I'm going to yes those tomorrow. So I come back the next day, right? I come back the next day. I brought gum, magazines, Walkman, you know. Uh, Love it. Uh, food. I had soda, everything, right? Yep. First, I break out the magazine. Now I start chewing the gum. Now I start drinking the drink. The judge is like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Tiffany Haddish. And I, and I need you to sign a release form for me. <laughs> like, say, what? <laughs> they get my case. Has me come up there. Ask me, what do, you, what do you need a release form signed for? Why? Blah, blah, blah. I tell him why. Because I want to be a comedian. I'm going to be like one of the greatest comedians in the world. And he was laughing and smiling. He looked like the Quaker Oats man. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> If you are half as funny on stage as you are right now, then you deserve it. And sign the release, and I was able uh-huh. to go on the news. So what was it like seeing yourself on TV? Well, girl, let me tell you something. First of all, I did not get to see myself right away because Princess Diana died and got me bumped, okay? I got bumped, and then it was like not till the fall. I didn't get to see it because I was at like track practice or something. Mm-hmm. By the time I got home, it was like already off. So I called the news station, got the video, and then I saw it. I like for people to see me and laugh. I don't care if you're laughing at me or with me, as long as you're laughing, right? I get on the bus. And I, and I was like beaming from ear to ear, like, wow, I thought I looked pretty. I, lo- I thought I looked a little weird, but it was really cool. When Tiffany turns 18, she's out of the foster care system and on her own. She's got nowhere to go, so she starts living out of her car a car she's now immortalized in her stand-up routine. And I used to be in my little Geo Metro. That shit was packed out. But I was classy with mine. I slept in real nice places. I lived in Beverly Hills, bitch. Kept it classy. <laughs> Police would come every morning about 7. They would make me move. It was like an alarm clock. It was cool. I was like, that's why I pay taxes. Thank you, police. I'd only ever heard the stand-up version of Tiffany's story about being homeless. I wanted to hear the real-life one. Yeah, I get emancipated and I get homeless and I have to figure out how I'm going to survive. So I was doing the bar mitzvahs, but that wasn't really paying. I was doing comedy shows, but that's like $20 to $10 a show. That's not really enough to survive on. So I got a job working in customer service at an airline. Mm. And then I kind of moved around from airline to airline and I was there for some years. And then I got depressed And I ended up in psychiatric therapy because I had stopped doing stand-up altogether. And my therapist was like, what makes you happy? What makes you feel good? And I'm like, hearing people laugh, seeing people smiles, that makes me feel good. And she's like, why don't you get back into stand-up as like a hobby? Uh, You know, the psychiatrist story, I almost feel like you're underselling it because 
you're telling these stories to your psychiatrist, and she cannot oh, stop cracking up. Oh, my gosh. She made me something. She would laugh at everything. Exactly. Laughing at everything. <laughs> like, you are so funny that a trained mental health professional who's trying to give you counsel cannot keep her shit together. I mean, it, it's a show-not-tell situation. It's like, Tiffany, I don't need to tell you to become a comedian at this point. Right. I mean, she was right. So you so you have this big turning point, right? So the psychiatrist says, hey, this is, you know, this is what you love. Just give it a try. Um, what is it about being on stage and performing that really speaks to you? Well, it feels safe, right? And it's like, if anybody's going to try to hurt you, they can't because you have witnesses. <laughs> That's what wow. You have witnesses, right? If somebody tries to do something... At least one person in that room will be like, that's not right. Stop it. Or I got your back, Tiffany. I'll confess for you. Hmm. It is really striking. And I think it says everything about your story that you sought physical safety on stage, right? I mean, I, you hear all these performers say, being on stage, that's my comfort zone. That's where I feel most at home. I, I used to say things like that. But we always mean it in a, a metaphorical sense. And I think... You know, you need it in a physical sense. Yeah, you know, um, you're not alone. The immediate, like, gratification that I see you, I'm here with you, we're present, right? Like, that's why I love doing live shows. That laughter, it comes right out of people's mouths directly to your ears, may bounce off the walls and amplify. You feel it through your whole soul. Like it is the most wonderful drug for me. It's how I get high. It soothed me. And I don't know why that's my soothing thing. Even like if I get really depressed, that's my medicine. You know that question they say, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I have it. I have a superpower and it's to control people's happiness, right? If I could control people's happiness, like if I step in a room and everybody lights up, everybody gets joyous, that's a really good thing. And then you could, I feel like you could dominate the whole world with that. Like you could rule the world. And mm -hmm. so am I a superhero? Yes. <laughs> that's what I feel like. After the break, Tiffany talks about processing all the change she's been through. We'll be right back with a slight change of plans. Sometimes trusting your gut doesn't work. Like when you end up late because you think the line at the coffee shop doesn't look too long. Probiotics can't help with most of your gut decisions. But if your gut needs a little support, Ritual has your back. They made a three-in-one supplement I love called Symbiotic Plus. It includes clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. All kinds of things can mess with your gut on a daily basis, like stress, travel, and food choices. I take Symbiotic Plus from Ritual every morning to help my gut microbiome. The delayed release is designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract, and I appreciate that it's in just one minty capsule, no refrigeration needed. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash slight. 
Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash slight for 20% off. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most of these cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship and leads to excessive carbon emissions. Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. I love that I can just fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blueland tablets, and start cleaning. Blueland is a staple in my home because I find their products super clean and effective. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. Blueland has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash slight. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash slight for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash slight to get 15% off. I'm Maya Shankar, and we're back with a slight change of plans. And as a heads up, we're going to be talking about sexual assault in a moment. Tiffany's gone through so many changes in her life, using comedy as a tool over and over again to survive. But are there times where comedy's fallen short for her, when life is simply too dark to laugh about? For example, when Tiffany was 20, she said her stepfather told her he had cut the brake lines on her mom's car before the accident in order to try and kill her family and collect life insurance. You learned as an adult that your mom's car accident may not have actually been an accident after all. Um, can you tell me more about that? I just, I, girl, that, it makes, that makes me so mad when I think, like, I get really upset about it. But at the same time, I could find the funny in it. Like, this guy was a sniper. He was in the, you know, he was in the military. His job was to kill people. <laughs> that was his job. And he wasn't, obviously wasn't that good at it because we still all alive. Like, you know, what I can't find the funny, what I have still yet to be able to find, to be able to make funny. And I have tried many times and I just, I'm not capable of it because I feel like there's, it's kind of impossible, but maybe it's in it, but anything is possible, but I can't find being raped. Yeah. I tried, I tried to tell, like, I tried to tell myself when it happened to me, like, I tried to tell myself, what it, that means you sexy, you beautiful, you're irresistible, girl, look at you. Like, that's not funny, though, but that is how I was able to process it. There's nothing, I can't find nothing about that. Like, I was robbed, and there's, no redemption in it. There's no recovery of what was right. Like, you can never get that back. I would like to figure out a way to make it funny so people can heal from it. And I'm so grateful to people that are willing to share their stories. Because when you share your experience and your story, you have no idea who you are healing, who you are helping, who you are uplifting. Another thing that struck me about your your life is that 
you've lived two starkly different lives in one lifetime, right? So as a child, you're neglected, you're undervalued. And and now um, you live in a world where even strangers will run up to you and say, oh my God, Tiffany, I love you so much. They want to hug you. And, and it, like, it, what is it like to have lived both of these lives within one lifetime? Yeah, but both lives are the same in a fucked up way, <laughs> like... Right. Like, so like, here I am an adult and, and people are telling me they love me, which is what I wanted as a kid. I wanted that love as a child. Did I want the whole world's love? No. Right. I wanted my father's love. I want my grandmother's love. I want my mom's love. Is your mom better today? So we, um, I, well, I got my money together. I got her out of the mm -hmm. mental institution. I got her the best doctors, best uh, therapist, psychiatric therapist. And like when she comes to my house, the it's like the communication is so much better. That first year that she was out of the institution, it was a little shaky there. And there was a little bit of, uh, I think I'm finna fight my mom again <laughs> type mm. stuff going on. And what you have to realize, what I realize now as an adult is when people are hurting, if they're hurt, you can only give them, it doesn't matter if you give them your whole soul. <laughs> they have to heal mm -hmm. on their own. And maybe just a little bit, the little laugh that you give them is a, is a little, is enough, but they're going to continue to hurt others until they stop hurting. And you can't always take that hurt away. That's something they have to do. Mm -hmm. But it's been like three years now. So much better. So it's just a huge difference. And it's there's glimpses. Like I could see glimpses of my mom pre-accident. Wow. My mom pre-accident. Do you, do you feel like um, getting those glimpses today changes the way that you think back on your childhood? Like, are, does it make those memories pre-nine years old feel more salient to you? Well, yeah, they're less like a dream or like a fantasy and more like, oh, that really did happen. And it's funny because I'll bring up certain things and some stuff she remembers because some stuff I think is a dream. And she's like, no, that that I think that happened, too. I remember huh. that. Yeah. Have, have you gotten that hug even one time in the last few years? I mean, we hug. We hug. That hug. I don't think I'll ever get that hug from her again. That mm -hmm. that hug of gratitude, that hug of like, I'm proud of you trying, that hug of you're my baby, that hug of like, and she used to be saying, it, I'm so glad you try. Like, these are the things that play in my mind. You know, um, that's not a dream. You've willed so much remarkable stuff to happen in your life, but you've been thrown so much shit, right? Um, what what would be your advice for people who are listening, who are just feeling totally overwhelmed by change? Okay, so embrace it. Embrace the change. It is uncomfortable, but and even if you got to do it kicking and screaming, kick and scream and embrace it and find the good in it. Um, like you said, like I've been throwing so much shit. Girl, if I hadn't gone through all the stuff that I've been through, I would not be funny at all. I would just be wow. a pretty face with uh, a talent. 
Like, and if you think about it, like everything that I am capable of, that I'm able to access, it comes from all of the tragedy. Mm. When I'm able to talk to foster youth and connect with them and inspire them to achieve their goals and they start sending me messages about their education that they're getting or their business that they're starting or whatever, that's, I'm not able to communicate with them the way that I am because you know, life was easy or because I don't understand hurt. Our souls are able to connect. I'm tickling their spirit. I'm inspiring them because their soul can hear my soul. The heart speaks to the heart. Like we could be speaking two completely different languages. And just by the tone of the voice, the tone of it, you'll feel it. Like you can't see me right now. I got my camera off, but I know you feeling me right now. I am. I know you are. Yeah. Because I can feel you. And when everybody hears us talk, they're going to feel it too. It's just wonderful to feel connected to people that you've never even met before. Thank you for saying that. That just, you just put the cheese on my face for the rest (laughs) of the day. And I'm glad you got pretty teeth. And that's my favorite part, your smile. Hey, thanks for listening. See you next week for my conversation with Hillary Rodham Clinton. We talk about how the public's been asking her to change for decades and how she's handled that pressure. It is a constant balancing act. It's everything from how you dress and, you know, what your hairstyle is to how loudly you speak or how loudly you laugh or, you know, who you are seen with or, I mean, it's just a constant judgment. A Slight Change of Plans is created and executive produced by me, Maya Shunker. Big thanks to everyone at Pushkin Industries, including our producer, Mola Board, associate producers, David Jaw and Julia Goodman, executive producers, Mia Lavelle and Justine Lang, senior editor, Jen Guerra, and sound design and mix engineers, Ben Tolliday and Jason Gambrell. Thanks also to Luis Guerra, who wrote our theme song, and Ginger Smith, who helped arrange the vocals incidental music from Epidemic Sound. And of course, a very special thanks to Jimmy Lee. You can follow A Slight Change of Plans on Instagram at Dr. Maya Shunker. You know, your life has been filled with startling amounts of change. Do you feel sometimes like, man, if I could get through that, I mean, I can get through anything. Hell yeah, girl. Hell (laughs) motherfucking yeah. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.